Welcome back, everyone, to Figuring Out the Formula. I'm your host, Kyle. I'm here with Pat and Chandler for an awesome season two preseason episode. Guys, it's it's been a long winter break. Um, I'm just happy we're talking Formula One again, and we're starting out strong this year. Yeah, we're back. I think it's only been like 100 days since we were in Abu Dhabi, but it feels like it's been about a year and a half. I mean, it, this offseason's always drags on slow even though it's not long i'm just glad to be back you know we finally had testing so now we get to the the literal rubber meets the road here this week boys you know too long too long of a break is an understatement i needed this back and i'm ready to inject it straight back in my veins there we go chan's got his fresh uh mclaren gear pat i'm sure you got something in the works with your red bull gear um red bull has been uh in the news a lot lately so we we mentioned last season and season one of figuring out the formula that silly season normally takes place during the summer break and the winter break. So we just had the winter break and it's good for some people. Christian Horner is not one of them. Pat, what's going on with Christian? Yeah. So <laughs> Christian's in a bit of hot water right now. Um, so for those of you that don't know earlier this month, um, it was announced that there's an ongoing investigation to Christian Horner for some form of misconduct. Um, through some leaks that have come out through the press, a lot of people say that it was sexual misconduct with a female coworker. Um, of what nature, people have speculated a lot of different things. Um, not going to go too much further into that part, but um, there's been an independent investigation done by uh, Red Bull GmbH, which is the actual Red Bull drink company that owns the Formula One team, um, of which their results are supposed to come out, I believe, tomorrow, Wednesday. Um, and then, you know, it's really not looking good for Christian. Um, he was at their uh, car launch, but um, I think I saw some reports say that he's not actually going to be in the press conferences for this first race weekend. Um, and then there's also been you know, some of their partners coming out and saying that they've you know written letters to the overall parent company with some serious concern. Um, so, you know, a lot of it is speculation. Uh, Formula One teams are usually pretty good about keeping things under wraps, but, um, you know, we'll find out pretty soon if Christian Horner's actually going to remain the face of Red Bull F1 or if he's about to be banished for eternity. So the the big point to mention is that investigation was independent, like Pat said. So Red Bull is kind of setting the precedent here for Formula One and what to do in these kind of scenarios because there hasn't been reports of a lot of these kinds of accusations beforehand. Um, but you did mention like their partners are coming out and saying like you guys, like Red Bull needs to get this done. One of those partners is Ford. Ford, Ford Motor Company, the CEO, like sent a letter to Red Bull and said, you guys need to move this along. What is what is going on? We need we need some results here. And uh I don't know. It's it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. I mean, they just had an incredible season last year. And now this extremely yeah. successful team principal might be out of a job because of something that's going on like this. The the and, fallout and from this. Sorry to cut you off, Chandler. The follow-up from this is something we're definitely going to watch all season because regardless of whether or not he stays, you know, Red Bull sponsors might be rethinking, you know, what they're actually going to be involved with going forth because so last season, 
um, before the season started, they signed a huge deal with Oracle, which essentially just paid Max Verstappen's contract. And then they decided to partner with Ford, which is probably just paying for the rest of their backbone. Uh, but, you know, something They're like catering. this is never, yeah, it, it's never pretty. So this is something that we'll watch, you know, throughout the season to kind of see how their partners react, because this could actually seriously damage Red Bull's future. Yeah, there there also was another team that uh, experienced a lot of media heat or just heat from, I guess, Formula One. Um, this team isn't actually a Formula One team. It's a perspective Formula One team. So Andretti Motorsports, one of the most recognizable name in Formula or Formula Motorsport one of, race. Yeah, one of the most recognizable names in motorsports, whether that be NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, it doesn't matter, is basically told, go fuck yourself by Formula One. And they were denied a bid into Formula One. Chandler, explain a little bit exactly what went on with the bid, the process, and why it was denied. Yeah, so obviously... We're looking towards 2026. That's the new regulations. That's when Andretti was looking to enter the world of Formula One. Uh, a lot of momentum, in all honesty. Like, I mean, even myself, I made jokes about, like, you know, Haas, Gene Haas having to sell out and bow down to Andretti because of all the, like, just how bad Haas is. But uh, I say that to say that Andretti went through the full bid process to get in in 2026. Cadillac was going to be their engine supplier, provider, partner, however you want to describe it. <laughs> Um, F1 came back and denied their bid and their logic and their rationale that they put out in a press release was, in my opinion, absolutely atrocious. To summarize basically what F1 said, and remember, I say F1, I'm separating F1 from the FIA here. F1 said that it is because when they're looking to expand, uh, the when you look at the partnership between Andretti would bring to F1 is that the Andretti name would grow by being in F1 rather than the F1 brand growing by having Andretti in it. That's what they said. Now, like you just said, Kyle, Andretti is one of the most known family names in motorsport racing. I would say I'd put them up there with the Penske family name as kind of the two biggest individual family names because you had Mario Franchetti, Michael or Michael Andretti, Mario Andretti, uh, IndyCar, Indy 500 winners, IndyCar winners and champions, Formula One winner, winners. We, I mean, we saw it in Texas when we were there. Mario was the one driving an old McLaren. I mean, so the name in Formula One is there. So where FI or F1 and Liberty Sports Media got their crack from by smoking it and saying that Andretti <laughs> – would actually be the beneficiaries of being F1? I don't know. So then to say that is that probably a day later, maybe not even a day later, the FIA then uh, – so F1 says their decision. Andretti puts out a release saying they're very disappointed. They don't agree with it. They're going to appeal or maybe not necessarily you can't appeal it, but raise it to the FIA. The FIA then comes out less than a day later and says <clears> – <throat> We're going to look into this. We're disappointed by the decision. We're going to sit down with the both and parties involved. Big red flag as a general motorsport fan of if the F1 saying no because this and the FIA doesn't agree with it, there is definitely some cause of the concern. governing body says, wait, yes, exactly. If, like, right. yeah. if the governing body doesn't have the individual leagues back, that's a red flag. 
Come to find out after digging into this, Andretti had filed a complaint of, you know, NF1's communications. They said that they had reached out to schedule meetings with Andretti to kind of discuss this further and I guess hash out maybe the differences in communication and bridge that gap. Come to find out that not even Stefano Domenicali, he didn't, I mean, he's, he's, you know, the the CEO of F1, he wasn't even the one that reached out. He had one of his minions send an email to Andretti. I don't even think it went to Andretti, like the any of the Andretti family or the CEO or whoever's actually running the show. It went to some staff email. And, oh, by the way, the meeting invite went, didn't even go into the inbox. It went to a junk email because Stefano Domenicali didn't send it himself. It was some, again, minion. So Andretti never even got the invite to this email. So the F1 saying, oh, well, they just never showed up to the meeting to discuss it when it went to a damn junk folder. It's just how much of a disgrace. And F1 doesn't even act like, you know, making reparations and saying, let's actually schedule this meeting, reconsider our decision. Nope, sorry. You can try again in 2026. The whole situation it, it infuriated not just us American fans, because Andretti would be an American team. It infuriated almost every Formula One fan because they knew that this team would be competitive. Not like, Haas or Williams, like this is out of the gate, a probably would be a midfield to, you know, an upper midfield team. Cadillac has had a history of performing to a very high level, whether that be at 24 hours of Daytona, 24 hours of Le Mans, it doesn't matter. Their prototype cars are insane. Well, the technology isn't too different than Formula One. Yes, there are huge differences, but I mean, the overall platform is not that different. Cadillac Correct. Cadillac sets up Andretti to have a successful start in Formula One. Correct. And, and I will say that, you know, if you dig further into it, a lot of the F1 fans that are, you know, pissed off, rightfully so, as you say, you know, after, you know, the internet is the world's best investigator, but, um, <clears throat> Digging into it, there's this thing called the Concord Agreement, and I'm not sure how much y'all are familiar with the Concord Agreement, but it's signed, I guess, every 10, 12 years, however many kind of, I guess, new generations or new era of F1. And one of the things of the Concord Agreement that's currently intact is that the current 10 teams, they don't want to have to split profits or revenue anymore. So they're looking out for the best interest of each other. So F1, people are basically saying that because F1 is using the Concord Agreement without saying they're using it as to say, hey, we don't want to, you know, Andretti might come in and be, like you said, fourth, fifth place, midfield team. And then guess what? That bumps somebody like stinky Alpine down to seventh and instead of sixth. And guess what? Alpine loses $15 million a year. Of course, they're not going to want another team to come in. Yeah. And so I think that's where we get into it. So that It really just all in all, it's just, I think it's, I don't want to say bad for the sport because at the end of the day, there's a lot more that's going on for the sport that's making it bad. Well, um, I think, but I think it's we'll, not I, helping the sport by basically gatekeeping. It's bad. It's bad for the sport. I mean, you have a team that is wanting to be competitive instead of just being the stalemate. Stalemate. You know, the last three teams that consistently run from 
20th to 16th it's like well what what is the point of you guys being here like I, and that my last point about it is that in that statement f1 made and this is i you actually it reminded me of it was that f1 said that they did not believe that andretti would be competitive and yeah. they only want to bring in teams and com- contenders or competitors that would be competitive we have haas still in f1 yeah that's all i'm gonna say that's all that needs to yeah. be said well, there there was a huge shake. There was a huge shakeup a couple days after this huge news, anyways, right? Like Andretti being denied was all over the internet. It was over mainstream media. It was just such a shock to Formula One fans all over the world. Well, the next day came probably a bigger shock to the racing community. So, seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton announced that in 2025 he will be racing for Ferrari. So he will be taking Carlos Sainz's seat in racing in Ferrari in Italy. So Pat that news it, it, it's it was like yeah, no I, this I is a, this is made up. One. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what? I mean so <laughs> you know Lewis everybody knows Lewis. He's you know in the debate for the goat. Yeah. Um and he's old, you know, him and Fernando Alonso, they've been doing this for damn near since we were in diapers. Um, and I mean, there were really only two options or I guess three options for Lewis, you know, after that 2021 title, you know, people said either a, he's going to retire B he's going to just stay at Mercedes and collect checks. Cause they're not coming back anytime soon. I hate to break it to you Mercedes fans or See, he would go to another team, which is, you know, super slim chance. But the only options out there were really either Red Bull or Ferrari. And Red Bull was just not going to do that. You know, they don't have one, the money to probably pay him that along with Max. And that's just not a good combo for reasons everybody knows. You can't go back to McLaren because, you know, they're really banking hard in their future. They have a promising future. And the only other option was Ferrari, of which I personally thought he would retire. Yeah. Um, you know, he he clearly still has it. Everybody knows he could still race. You know, Fernando Alonso can still race, so can Lewis. Um, I was pretty shocked, but maybe it's a welcome change. Yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to see, but it, it begs to question, like, it makes you question on, like, what is Carlos Sainz going to do this year, right? Like, without diving too far into you know, this subject, but like Carlos Sainz is a dead man walking, right? Like he doesn't have a a contract signed for 2025. Now there's a whole lot of year left in this brand new season two of figuring out the formula. So keep up with it here. But I mean, it's something to think about. But the other wild thing that happened was uh, us. We we talked about them, you know, not being competitive at all. Well, Everyone's favorite team principal is no longer a team principal. Gunther Steiner Chandler was, well, I was going to say he was fired, but he left the team. So explain a little bit why there's quotation marks for those who are listening, not watching. Yeah, and and this is something that really has what we thought was an open and shut case two weeks ago when this was announced. We're actually getting information today, like this week, that's, giving us a little more light into it. So two weeks ago when the news broke was that Gunther has left the team and 
everybody then at the point knew, oh, well, Gene Haas fired Gunther, which Gene made a statement, released a statement basically saying that, you know, we need to be more competitive and blah, 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 and all that. And everybody took the side of Gunther because Gunther is a man of the people. He's the print, he's the people's team principles, what he is. Um, <clears throat> you know, saying, you know, pulling up quotes where Kevin Magnuson was saying that they were the pit crews using equipment from this three, four years old because they're not spending money on the new stuff up to date. So everybody's saying, you know, Gene Haas is the problem. Why are you firing Gunther? you know, whenever you just won't open a paycheck. And and Gene Haas at the time did say, like, we have, like, the budget cap is in place now. We're spending up to the budget cap. So but not, no, yeah. no one bought it at the time. No yeah. one bought it at the time. This week we learned that the reason that Gunther left, and this had been kept under wraps for a couple of weeks until everything kind of the dust had settled, was that Gunther had found a sponsorship, and I don't remember if it was said who the company was, but Gunther found a sponsor who was willing to come and sponsor Haas and give more money to Haas and kind of you know alleviate Gene Haas's tax evading practices. Um, allegedly. allegedly, allegedly. Okay. Uh, so any, but in return, you know, Gene or Gunther said this team they can sponsor this company can sponsor our team. In return for me bringing it almost as a finder's fee, I want shares of the team, you know, because I've done this, you know, I've brought the team to, I guess they finished eighth last year on the grid. No. I think they ninth. Was it ninth? I know they beat AlphaTauri. Last. Oh, no, that's right. AlphaTauri had a renaissance they, at the end of the year. Yeah. Has has finished last in the last two seasons, and they okay, haven't yes, been much right. better the Seasons before that. Drive so, to Survive yeah. episodes one through eight would have you think that they finished up yeah. like seventh. But yeah. we'll get to that. Uh, but anyhow, I said, so he wanted shares of the finder's fee slash, you know, I've brought this team popularity, which I love Gunther. I will, I will, I love, I'll probably, my, his next, next, my next read is his book of Surviving to Drive. But um, Chandler's first kid is going to be named Gunther. Uh, probably not. <laughs> Mary Margaret won't let that happen. <laughs> but I will say that Gunther, I, again, he and F1 must be getting the same crack from each other of if they think that his performance warrants shares in the team. You know what? If you could say, hey, I brought you the sponsor. Can that keep me my job? Sure, we can talk about that. But hey, I brought you this sponsor and my performance. I need 15% of ownership in this team. Okay, Gunther Wolf, like we're not going to let yeah. this happen. I mean, it, it's it's so now everybody's like, okay, Gene, we still don't like you. You're still a tax evader, allegedly. But you know what? Maybe we get we, it. <laughs> we get it. Yeah, we get it. So so that is kind of where we're at now. So to sum it all up is that the chief engineer for Haas. So to sum everything up, kind of wrap it all up in a bow is that Gunther left the team. Uh, Gene Haas promoted chief technical engineer for a great car. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it's the best engineers, you know, the chief strategy officer, chief race engineer, chief everything because Gene Haas don't pay nothing. But yeah. He is chief, going to be chief leading custodian. Season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to have a new series at Haas, you know, uh, unfortunately gone are the days of the, uh, the Steiner ship Steiner or Gunther boat or Gunther ship, whatever the, the, you know, that we ran with last year for drive to survive. But, um, 
it's very interesting. This all happened. Uh, it wasn't even like it happened a week or two after the season. This happened post 2024. So it's yeah. been within the last month and a half. So again, our silly season really delayed until within two months of the season starting. Yeah. So that's kind of where sure. we're at with Haas. Yeah. I, there were a lot of changes that also went on with some other cars. Um, but every year we see updates, right? Like, we see new designs, we see new liveries, we see a bunch of cool things. This year was the exception to the rule, though. Pat, normally during car launches, everybody is stoked to see what the, the driver's suits are going to look like, what their helmets are going to look like, what the car is going to look like. Oh, the car, it's going to be so clean looking. Unless it's Red Bull, because you always know it's going to be the same thing. Mercedes is pretty much the same thing. But this year... It was, it was, uh, it was apart ash. from, yeah, apart ash. from a couple of teams, it was fucking dog water. It really was. I mean, like for the people that don't know, F1 teams are always concerned about weight in any way, shape or form. They're going to save weight as much as possible. It's one of the biggest factors in all their engineering. And after, I guess, 2021, everybody said, you know what? Fuck it. Let's take the paint off. Let's save a gram here and there. I don't even know how much the paint weighs. And we had a pretty big problem with it last year with a lot of cars just having carbon fiber everywhere. And they're like, oh, this is our cool new design. And now nobody puts any paint on like half their car, which is stupid as hell. I mean, I don't even watch the car reveals anymore because I was like, these are all just going to be some stripe of color with black, uh, especially Alpine. Alpine was damn near criminal. Um, they, they had teased the bwt pink and then it yes. was just like a little splash like a little tinge of pink on there and then a little bit of blue with black which everybody knows blue and black looks fucking trash and i gotta say shout out to the f1 community because during testing there was a bit more blue on the alpine car because bullying does sometimes, work sometimes bullying is back works. in 2024 yeah like, i will bully back. logan Sargent <laughs> until he wins or gets fired this yeah, season I mean, if i have to because by goodness i want an american to succeed i mean well, it's it's just andretti stupid. got denied so that's true but I, i'll give a shout out pat you're talking about it can i we got to give a shout out to well this time last year we talked about how just smooth brained of a livery alfatari was and they've rebranded, which I know we'll hey. probably segue into what the rebrand of new team names are. But the new team name, hey, they said they went, you know, everybody zigged. We're zagging it. We are putting so much paint on the car. And I respect the hell out of it. Like, I yeah. love the design. Oh, yeah. Like, it kind of makes me want to pull for them just I mean, because I, I, I especially seeing Daniel Ricardo in the one painted up car on the on the grid. Like, oh, just inject it into my veins. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, I think it's back to their roots. I love it. Visa, Cash App, Red Bull. I'm just going to call them V-Carb forever. I thought they did a great job with their livery. Shout out V-Carb. I'll drink to you guys. Yeah, cheers. Thank you for keeping the spirit alive. Also, not to go to it, we're not going to go into all the liveries, but I didn't think, I we made jokes about it. So when Sauber came out. My bad, sorry. I was going to say when Sauber came out with their livery and like their whole new rebrand, um, you know, we saw the green and, and we kind of made jokes of like, well, the, that's just like they just took Flowviz and they're going to paint Flowviz, which 
you know, is the liquid we paint on in testing, watching footage of it. You literally could not tell what was Flovis and what was paint because it was like the exact same green. And I respect, I respect going different. Trust me, I'm not knocking on it, but I just think it's hysterical that we half heartedly make jokes about it when the, when it came out. But now it's like, you have aerodynamicists sitting there scratching their head going, well, is that paint or is that, is that flow viz? Like how, how's our car running? So a real wild card is going to be the Sauber team to well, see how they're running. I will say Valtteri Bottas um, in that lime green and black suit. I mean, dude looks like he looks he, like a he, villain and I love He's ready it. to fucking race. He's got That's his mullet looks, going. Yeah. Oh dude. He, if he doesn't win a race this year, then he's got to cut the hair. But, Mary Margaret wouldn't let me buy the uh, Valtteri Bottas calendar this year. So, uh, oh well, that's probably well, probably a good hey, thing. But you probably know, can, is. I'm not gonna lie. Hey, it's probably a good she thing. Said, that's, you couldn't buy it. She didn't say we couldn't buy it for you. Yeah. Who knows? Happy birthday! No. <laughs> um. There. The. The reason we all got into Formula One, I think, is mainly due to Netflix's Drive to Survive. Um, I realize now that it's a lot, it's a lot of manufactured things. It's not really what you see if you follow the sport. So we started figuring out the formula to explain to new viewers of formula one, what is going on really without the drama, just three friends shooting the shit, talking formula one, right? Like we explain the things that maybe you might be confused about. And we look at your comments and your mentions at, you know, what is going on, right? Well, I mentioned this because the new season of Dread to Survive came out recently. And there's some things that I want to highlight. Um, we'll make it really quick, but I think the number one thing is that Alpine as a whole, so the drivers, the team principal, the owners, the CEOs, the cars, whatever, anything associated with Alpine is literally fucking garbage. It's trash. They're Alpine all terrible. Stinks. That yes. is my mantra they for this popular. year. I don't care if McLaren's even in a battle with them. Alpine stinks. I want Alpine to just sit at rock bottom. I would love to see not Haas not finish last but I would love to see Alpine finish last. So I'm rooting for oh, yeah. Alpine to finish last over Haas, for sure. Um, I think there were some other teams that got some hate during the stride to survive. Um, one wasn't more... It was One wasn't really the team, but it was more so the owner of the team. So for Aston Martin, you have Lawrence Stroll. Lance Stroll's money bag. He... Like him, love him, hate him, whatever. He is fucking powerful. Whether you admit it or not, he, that dude, he, the episode in Dry to Survive where they had him on the yacht and everyone's freaking out because he showed up, it just goes to show what kind of reach he really has. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but did this season, did that episode make you respect what he does at, at uh, Aston Martin? Or does it make you like, this guy sucks, and now I hate Lance Stroll even more. What What was y'all's opinion on it? I don't like him as a person. You know, he's a billionaire, rich guy that it's, you know, like Zach Brown said, it's very easy to get on his bad side, and you really don't want yeah. to get on his bad side. Um, He doesn't ever come across as like a down-to-earth guy 
at all in any way, shape, or form. But I do think that he is good for F1 and Aston Martin. I think he really does believe in that team and he really wants to invest a lot of money and all that and see them succeed, especially with his son, of which you know eventually he's gonna have to kick his son out. You know, he can't drive when he's 40, but he can't drive now. Yeah. He I don't know. He's good for the sport, but I do not like him at all. Like if I if okay. I were to see him on the street and be like, oh my god, that's Lawrence Stroll. Yeah, hard pass, buddy. Take a hike. Should yes. I be sir? Can you pay for my college? Can you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me just drop some pocket change on the ground for you? Yeah, uh, it, it, for me, it's one of like I didn't like him from the get-go. I'm not a fan of the Strolovich family. Um, but like you said, Patrick, to agree with what you did, what he's done for F1, he took and took basically took Racing Point out of bankruptcy and has turned it into a, a got a recognizable name to it now with getting Aston Martin to be a sponsor and B, you know, getting them competitive because I don't think Racing Point was Top ever five team last year. Yeah. Number five team. And honestly, their upgrade made them go backwards, but then they reverted back to it. And so they were, they were much better strides. And, you know, last year and, and also to get a driver like Fernando Alonso to come to your team. Fantastic. So what he's done for the sports. Great. I never liked him. That being said, the F1 episode or the Drive to Survive episode with uh, Papa Stroll, somebody either taught him a quick PR 101 or taught the ed- editors, give him the or he. I guarantee what happened now that I think about it, saying it out loud, Lawrence Stroll probably told the F1 Netflix editors that if you don't make me look good, I'll fire every one of you and I'll find a way how to get you all fired. Because <laughs> you sit there and watch it and you like get a soft spot in your heart when he's talking about how he just wants what's best for his son. And then like whenever Lance fell off his bike, it's like I had to ask myself, I was like, wait, it, is it like, can I like Lawrence Stroll? Like, and then I realized snap out of it. No, they go no, back you can't. To the yacht. They go back to the whole yacht of like, everybody's like, oh my God, 30 seconds until he gets off the yacht. And I'm just like, oh, no, toxic <laughs> boss right there. We're going yeah. back to hating him. But still yeah. like, I will say is that for a brief second, it gave me a positive light on him. And I'm like, well, maybe I have a soft spot for his heart. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, this is, this is how the villains win. So yeah, we can't you have this. Right back to reality. Real exactly. Quick. Yes. But I will say is that, I don't think in the past we've had, you know, the only instances we've had on Drive to Survive and and how we're portrayed of Lawrence Stroll is this bad guy villain. And I will say that we did get a lot deeper look in that first episode of Drive to Survive. And it did give a little more insight into Aston Martin. And like I said, always, you know, it combines too because we're talking about how bad of a person or, you know, Lawrence Stroll is couple of seasons ago on Drive to Survive, Fernando Alonso literally said, like, you know, some people just have to be on the dark side, and I'm on the dark side. So you're combining yep. all that, and some people love it, and I can't hate him for loving it. But, yep. yeah, Lawrence, Lawrence Stroll gained a lot more screen time, and I think it changed the way. It didn't, it didn't make me like him, but it made me hate him in a different way. If that, And that's I give a sign of so, respect to Netflix and, and, and him himself. So I, what you just said, I 100% agree with. That also applies to one person, um, probably the most useless sack of shit at Harvard right now, uh, Nick DeVries. So Netflix absolutely shit on him. The cut scenes of 
Nick DeVries saying like, oh, I'm going to be here forever. I'm going to, I'm going to, I can't wait to score points at Alphatari. And the scene of him sitting in the boat with Adrian Newey. Oh and my Adrian God. Adrian Newey looks like he's like, God, I wish this fucking thing would sink. Oh my God. A- any, like all the Adrian Newey camos in cameos in Driver Survive were absolutely golden but that was the best where he like had the short shorts in monaco and was just and he's like well we need to do this and this and this and I, yeah okay that's mm-hmm. a good thought yeah you do that like, so <laughs> for those who didn't know obviously last year daniel ricardo replaced nick devries and then he broke his hand or his wrist had surgery and came back and then replaced liam lawson who came in to replace him um so it was a big clusterfuck for at last year um, now the racing bulls or whatever the fuck they're called now, um, they're, uh, whatever it is. I'm not saying they're corporate. I'm not saying they're corporate names, no sponsorships from figuring out the formula. Um, unless they pay us, then they're not <laughs> saying all day long. Yeah. We can name it fucking B carb here. It doesn't matter. But, um, the, the big thing to notice is that, Daniel Ricardo is still the face of Drive to Survive. Um, the person who I think gained the most love, the most respect in all of the season six of Drive to Survive was James Vows. So William's team principal, Pat, he uh, he really he's hard to hate. You you can't not like the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I personally love James Voles. Um, You know, you really didn't see a ton of him when he was at Mercedes other than just hearing Valtteri, it's James, all the time (laughs) on broadcasts. Um, But going from being a race engineer to a team principal at a team that was basically on the brink of bankruptcy like three or four years ago, um, I personally think he is going to bring Williams back to the promised land if they just give him time. Um, you know, last season, a lot of times they were talking to him. Everyone was kind of like, oh, what's with these shitty mics and stuff like that. And James Ellis is like, dude, we're poor. Like he, he, I mean, has made something out of nothing. And I think if all the Williams investors just keep throwing money at him, that guy knows how to win. I mean, he was at Mercedes, went to Williams. He could see the stark contrast that all the Williams shit was five to 10 years behind everybody else. And I really think that he's got the handle and the knowledge to just bring them back to the top. And I cannot wait for that. If, if Williams beats Red Bull in his season, I will not care That's, at all. I'll shit a brick, dude. I will literally I'll, shit I'll, a brick. I'll, I'll say this is like, as a, as a McLaren fan, like it is no conflict for me to pull against McLaren versus anybody. The moment that it's McLaren versus Williams, I feel a little conflicted because of James Vowles and Alex Albon, Alex Albon. And then, you know, even like from the smart business thing of doing, I mean, we saw it last year is obviously Logan Sargent rookie did not do well at all. Um, But the little things that we saw James do with Logan last year, like Monaco, it started raining. Logan's well out of the race. Uh, but it's, hey, Logan, we're going to bring you in and you're going to get these tires and you're going to learn how to manage all these tires in the rain. It's the little stuff like that that we saw that's going to, whether it works on Logan Sargent or not, it gives the team valuable information. And I yeah. I, I love it. Like I <laughs> will always be a McLaren fan, but Williams 
Williams and James Vowles have a soft spot for me. Yeah, and and I, like you said, bring Williams to the promised land for Williams. That may bring my goodness. If you get Williams a fifth place finish, guess what? Vowles is probably going to replace Toto when he retires, or if. Christian Horner gets the boot. They might have an interim this year and bring him to bring vowels to Red Bull next year type thing. So, you know, I think that he's on the up and up for sure. So I, I a hundred percent agree. Speaking of the up and up uh, testing just finished and it's pretty, pretty clear that the cars, the majority of the cars have improved in some way or another. Um, we're not going to really dive into it because the first race is this weekend. Um, so we're just going to talk about how testing versus the first race compared to each other. Um, but overall, Red Bull is still the quickest. And it's 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 a crazy design that we'll talk about next episode. But basically, everybody is better except for that shitty fucking French team, Alpine. Alpine, we talked about the paint on their car and all this stuff. So they barely painted their car, and apparently it's still overweight. So I don't want to get into it, but just know that shit rolls downhill. But in this case, it rolls wherever Alpine's going. It doesn't um, roll at all. It doesn't roll anywhere fast, at least. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so figuring out the formula, like I said, this started because we were new to Formula One, and uh, we wanted to learn the ins and outs, the in- intricate. I'm not saying that. Fuck that. Um and we we wanted to share our point of view as new viewers of the sport with, I guess, the world, the internet, the cyber bullies out there. I don't know. Um, last season was a little tricky. You know, we're we're learning on we're learning about like what format we should take, what different things we can experiment with that would get good results online. Um, get out good grades in his class. Yeah, for sure. Uh, exactly. <laughs> um, this year we're going to do something a little different. We're going to try it out. If it works, great. If it doesn't, please let us know either way. Um, So our new format this year, we're going to, instead of doing a play-by-play of the entire race weekend, we're going to keep the same format with, you know, like practices, like basically what happened that week and then qualifying and then the race. If there's a sprint race, we'll add that in. But instead of doing a play-by-play, we're going to keep it shorter and talk about, main talking points you know things that happen within the race whether that be a crash or a crazy battle or last lap pass right stuff like that is what we're going to talk about so expect shorter episodes than there were last year but they're going to be just as good if not better um chandler talk a little bit about some things we have going on with basically fantasy yeah so uh you know kind of this year to kind of you know obviously last year if you followed along um, we kind of had our own little makeshift fantasy competition amongst the three of us. However, you know, we decided that we wanted to be, let our listeners, everybody, as many people that wanted to be involved, be involved. <clears throat> so uh, Grid Rival, I think they started last year was their first full season. So they basically are a fantasy app that is for motorsports. So they have F1, they have NASCAR. We're obviously focusing on F1 here. Um, we have created a figuring out the formula league. 
that link will be posted in this, wherever you get your podcast. It'll be in the comment section. It'll be on the YouTube page. Um, and we'll post a link on the Instagram page. Anybody is welcome to join. No entry fees whatsoever, really, for bragging rights this first year uh, to kind of give a rundown of how it works. So for anybody that's played DraftKings or FanDuel, it's very similar to that in the format of you pick five drivers and you pick one constructor. Uh, you get a $100 million a hundred million pound. We're going to go dollars. I'm just going to make it easier. hundred million dollar budget. Uh, each driver has a salary. Each team has a salary. You pick those drivers and, and teams. You can choose if you want to sign them to a one race contract, anywhere from one race to five races. Now the salary is the same for all of those. The reason that there's a differentiation of those contracts of length is say, for example, you want to take a gamble and say, I really think that Kevin Magnuson is going to show out at Bahrain but I don't know anywhere else. So I don't know if he's going to show out next week or not. So you could sign him to a one race contract, or you could say, well, obviously I have to pick Max Verstappen and sign him to a five race contract. The reason of those differentiation is that once that contract ends, you have a one week blackout period. So regardless if you sign him for one week or if you sign him for five weeks, once that contract is up, you have to skip them for a week. So obviously if you pick Max this week for one week contract, the next week you couldn't use him and then you could sign him again. So Something you might want to look at that longer. Mm. Um, additionally, and I and there the points are scored on not just the race finish. So obviously, like if you people think, oh, I want Max and the next best drivers of it. Points are scored everything from I think you get points for how many overtakes they had. You know, if someone starts 20th but then go get finishes 14th, there's a set amount of points for that. Uh there's set there's special points for how, how many laps of the race did they complete? So if they were on the lead lap, they get X amount of points if they completed 95% of the laps. So, you know, even if they DNF lap halfway through the race, they still get some points. So okay. it's not just fantasy points on that on based off of how you finish. And then based off of that, the computer does a calculation of what that salary is. So whatever you purchase, I looked at Max Verstappen's the highest salary at 30 million pounds dollars for started off. Uh, if he does well and performs well, his salary may go up to 35 million. Well, if you locked him in for, you know, five races, you're still getting that 30 million price. But whenever his contract's done, that extra $5 million, you get that added to your budget. And that adds, that way you can purchase better drivers once contracts end. However, if you lose, say, for example, you pick Max Verstappen at 30 million and he goes DNF the first three races of the season and his salary drops to 15 million, then guess what? You've lost $15 million worth. And when his contract's up, you only have 85 million on the leaderboard per se. So um, really that's kind of where you want to look at is, the basics of it is picking a driver and picking drivers and team and staying within the budget, and then hoping those drivers do well over the course of however long you sign them for. Like I said, you can take a gamble one week. You could, however, you know, strategy is yeah. kind of up to you on yeah. that. So, and then I, having looked over it for about ten to fifteen minutes, the Instagram DMs are open, the YouTube DMs are open. You know, send us a question. I can answer those more than happy to answer that. You know, we want to get as many people involved in it. I know I had a couple of people asking me about it, so it is live. I've sent the link out personally to some folks, but uh, feel free to join. Obviously, our first race is Saturday, which I guess we'll cover before we wrap up that we actually have a Saturday race this go round. So, um, but yeah, looking forward to it. kind of get more involvement. And that way, you know, it's not just us you know, throwing around our picks, you know, other people can get involved and we'll give shout outs and, you know, who's our winner of the week and who's our loser of the week. And, you know, who had the, you know, 
How much best. money Kyle lost from his budget, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So the the yeah. So grid rival, we're gonna, you know, explore with it. And that's gonna be something that we kind of discover together and 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 hopefully have a lot of fun with. Yeah, for sure. Now it, it does seem a little complicated. So there there is gonna be some learning curves to that. But like Chandler said, everything, whether it's the link to sign up or if you have questions, it's gonna be on YouTube, Spotify. Anything, any place you get your podcast, that's where figuring out the formula is. Um, so that's not our only competition. So last season we did, you know, we it started as this and then it went to this. And then at the end it was, oh, well, whoever picks the highest position other than Max Verstappen, because the motherfucker won every race but one, um, wins a bottle of liquor of our choice or whatever. Well, the three of us tied. So... <laughs> We had a lot going on between the holidays and other personal stuff. So uh, we didn't record the last episode, but as an update, no one won or we all tied. I, it it, de- it depends on how you want to look at it. Um, uh, Chandler with the come from behind win. It was Kyle and Patrick had four. Hey, don't toot your own Okay. Home, all right. Whatever. Chandler had don't three. All right. All right. All right. Didn't ah, fucking hey, how you start a tight so, finish, boys. Okay. Well, we all finished last. So um, we're going to move into season two. We're going to change up the rules. So the rules are going to be as follows. So instead of picking one driver, and then if that driver's picked, you can't pick them. We're going to go straight. You can pick pick your podium, right? So the three of us are going to pick our podium every race. The three of us are going to pick our podiums for every race. Um, if I pick Lando, Oscar, Max, Chandler can also pick Lando, Oscar, Max. It doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter if someone's already picked a driver, you can pick that same driver. So the points for this competition is going to be three points for picking first place correctly, two points for picking second place correctly, one point for picking third place correctly. If you pick all of them correct, then you add it up and you get six points. If you pick second and third place, you get, you know, three points. So from there, we're going to keep a running tally on who actually gets the most points at the end of the season winner will will come up with a prize for whoever has the most points i don't see there being a tie with this system so if we do the liquor again you guys might as well just go to the store and buy what i want now so um we're gonna go ahead and move to this weekend this weekend is the first race of the year um it is the bahrain grand prix qualifying is going to be friday morning at 11 a.m And then the race is going to be Saturday at 10 a.m. So we we're here, boys. I'm I'm super stoked for it. It's gonna be a great weekend. Fun fact, it's also Chandler's Bachelor weekend. So all the boys are gonna be watching together. You know, we're gonna be vibing. So uh I'll go ahead since it's your weekend, Chandler. You pick your podium. All righty. Max Verstappen wins a race. I'm going to go with a turn of events and Charles Leclerc actually finishes a race for the first time uh, in two years in Bahrain. And Charles will get second with my boy Lando in third. I'm going to go with a mixed bag of a podium. All right. Pat, what do you got? I'm obviously going to go with Max winning, but I think Lando Norris is going to finish in second place. And then I think... Checo is going to finish in third. He hasn't hit his bullshit part of the season yet. Hopefully. <laughs> All right. Well, 
You guys have your picks in. I think I'm going to go with Max as the winner, and then I'm going to go Checo in second place, and then in third place, Oscar Piastri. So I, I have a, a common theme here. You know, McLaren is going to be second place or maybe fighting for first. We'll see. Um, I would love to see my team succeed this year, as always, but, you know, only time will tell. So once again, this is the preseason episode of Figuring Out the Formula. Thanks again, everyone. and. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Thank you.